0: Today's show brought to you by MSU Denver. Online. They put a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. Some of our very own members uh, on staff got to audit classes and sit through, so they got a firsthand experience of what it is. Learn to lead the change. That's the mantra of MSU Denver services. They believe in value without compromise excellent education professors like Dr. Travis Heath who care about you and formats that fit your lifestyle. So check them out today, MSU Denver Online. what is up everybody welcome to the dmbr nuggets podcast i'm your host Adam Matas writing solo today the other guys i gave them the day off because Don't i have no, a no, fantastic because no. <laughs> i have a fantastic guest that is to be perfectly honest better than the three of them combined so i uh, oh. didn't feel like they were needed when they're not on the show with me i get to just talk shit, man i just get to throw throw this all around uh, i love they're it. not here to defend themselves um, the newest member of DNVR and the host of the Whole Hard Truth podcast. I'm excited yes, for you guys, you guys
1: to get to know him, Mr. Oren Lamena. Oren. Gang, gang, gang. What's up, brother? How you doing, Adam?
0: I'm doing so good, man. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, we had, <laughs> I shouldn't say I've been looking forward to this for a while because the last week I didn't look forward to anything. After the Nugget season got over, I just was like, wanted to not think about anything.
1: The doldrums.
0: Yeah, well I just needed a week man. Like that was a that was a sprint. When people talk about intense. the bubble, every other day we were doing stuff like every single day we were doing like all kinds of content. So for me just needed a week to like sleep and relax and unwind. But now that, that
1: this is that yeah. run that they had was very reminiscent of, you know, the Rockies' run to the mm. Rockies' run to the uh, to the World Series in as much as to say that it's like they weren't obscure People knew, you know, when the Rockies did that, Todd Hilton, and you kind of knew about, but you didn't know that there was a team that was capable of rattling off 22, right. 21 out of 22 wins in 22 days or something like that. And and you also, they, you know, I think that you know they knew the Nuggets, you know, you know about Joker, you know, you, you know about Jamal, but, you know, as a team, no one thought that they were ready to do what they did and making it to the Western Conference Finals, including myself. Yeah. And to see them, you know, really beast on cats, like, that the series win against Utah, that was a that was a vet move. They pulled it and then and they, and they right. made you believe they they drew me in. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know you get a you get a win against the Lakers. And I I honestly think they had a better roster. I still think they have a better roster than the Lakers. Yeah. Um, but to see like the whole you know veteran you know Jordan rule kind of take over and LeBron able to sort right. of bully his way, LeBron and them able to bully their way through it was just kind of disappointing. It was really disappointing. Actually.
0: It feels like the same song. We always like every 10 years, the nuggets get to be on the big stage to get pounded by the, the glamor team. <laughs> it's like, sweet. We made it to the almost mountaintop top just to be the sacrificial right. lamb. But I do feel like this is a little bit different and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong and tell me if you're in on, on this nuggets team. But you know, this did feel to me, unlike the Rockies that year, this one felt to me like the question all along has been, could Denver get to this point? Like, could they throw their hat in the ring? Like, could they become right. the team that can become a challenger? And the fact that they're so young and the fact that they are still, I mean, all of these guys should be better next year. Like, that's – Yeah, that, they should be. The reason. They They might not, but, yeah, it stands a reason that they will be better. So, it feels to me more like a breaking into the club that they are now a part of rather than just, like, sneaking in for a little one-off.
1: They are definitely – I mean, I agree. I think they're in that. I think they entered that strata where it's dangerous for a young team too, because now they're deservedly. So there are expectations. I yep. started questioning, you know, Brandon will tell you, I was, you know, I'm on his, I'm on his, I'm texting him wa- watching the games. And it's like, now you, st- you know, you can start scrutinizing Mike Malone. And and, and I right. started scrutinizing Mike Malone's, I, I hit you a couple of times with it. Mike Malone's kind of rotation is, you know, cause they've reached that level to where you're looking across the board and you're like, this is not just a, it's not just a, a young team. It's a talented young team. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. And when Jeremy Grant has the type of uh playoffs that he had, um, you know, I, you know, Paul Millsap and, and Gary Harris Jr. ended up being kind of pariahs for me in watching this team through the playoff, because what, what was apparent to me, and I don't know, you, you tell me how you feel. Those two players weren't able to help them much in any of these series. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, you, you can't say that, you know, well, GH wasn't even available for uh, the Utah series. Right. And, you know, I, I Paul Millsap had a great game five and you, you they don't make it as far as they did. Right. Well, right. Uh, right. Contribution. So you can't take that away from him. But having said that, you know, I remember Reggie Miller, like I think it was game four when, you know, Paul Millsap had run up on his fifth foul or so and then, or his third foul and they had to sit him down and Reggie Miller was like, Yo, oh my God, you know, what are they going to do without the, you know, contributions of Paul Millsap defensively? And I'm like, he's not really (laughs) denting, you know what I mean? What AD's doing at all. And it just, I mean, it was kind of fun. And I think that that's what this team is now going to have to contend with is can a young team like this now handle the expectations? Because I fully expect um, the front office, you know, because Tim is a smart guy. And I fully expect him to look at and evaluate this postseason for what it was, not you know in some you know myopic way and so right. i think that you look at guys like paul Millsap, and you look at guys like gary harris jr and then you look at what you have on the bench and a kid like Bull bowl should have played more i think he should have gotten more minutes in the playoffs and i think he that's mm. not just i don't think that's fandom for me i really think the kid is good enough and, and he has a height advantage name the thing he's he's kind of ready to see the big stage same thing with pj dozier i'm just you're looking at and von, guys like von lane it's like i wonder and, and i'm mm. asking you. What would they have gotten if Mike Malone would have tried to throw numbers at the Lakers as opposed to going with the traditional, I go seven, eight deep, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think it's funny because I do a show with with George Carl and he talked like some of this stuff, some of this stuff I just disagree with, but some of it, I think like I thought the same stuff, George Carl brought out this great point about trust and players and like you get to this this stage and it's so much about do your teammates trust you? Do your coach trust you? Do you have trust uh-huh. in each other? And not even just trust, but like familiarity. And sometimes you could say, yeah, this guy's a better player, but the team doesn't know him. And like sure. you're, in the, you're in the foxhole. You'd rather have the guys in the foxhole that you 100% trust, even if they're maybe a little bit less than the guys who maybe are a little bit more, but you just don't you don't know that like if there's just that little tiny bit of doubt in each other the whole thing collapses and like when I watched it and he was actually talking about Michael Porter with this more than anybody because he's a guy that I think a lot of people think you put him in there and he just gets buckets but when you watched it you did see just the faces on the team like when he would screw up and it was like it was that little doubt creeped into each other where it's like man we can't trust this dude and everything kind of crumbles after that so I don't know it's I'm a little mixed on it. I do think next year, a lot of those things you're saying, like Bowl, I think he's going to have to be a big part of it. Michael Porter, of course, going to have to be a bigger part of it. But this year, I felt like this was a total foxhole year where it's just like, we're in here. Who are the guys we 100% believe are going to be connected? And
1: those were the guys. It's, It's interesting that you bring up George Carl because many of the times, and I only did this when I would be at home quietly, secretly, I still, like, I got an interesting Nuggets fan story because I left the franchise in the working teen years i couldn't do it mm. um the year the year after they actually the year after they lost to golden state quite honestly yeah um when when uh <laughs> when andre Iguodala bolted i did that. yeah yeah and i and i <laughs> went to the, and i went to, i went to the bay i ain't gonna lie my really guy. you I, did I, oh man you're gonna I have so many not. haters <laughs> <aura>. or <You laughs> I, just... <laughs> I know i know but, but you know what my favorite player steph
0: curry you know what i mean yeah, yeah close
1: second a close second um kevin durant who i followed from you know wow. when I was a freshman at texas i can substantiate my fandom i sure. go all the way back to having kind of a fascination with golden state back to the george carl years to be honest, and back i mean uh back to the uh to the uh chris mullen and
0: oh wow TNC way back. years
1: you know what i mean like way yeah. back vincent ask you like i used to always play with them on N- nba live so it was an easy transition for me to make and i used to make light of it during my time as a, as a as a as a radio host, you know, full time was, you know, what are the rules when you divorce yourself from fandom? Anyway, my point yeah. being is I left in the working team years and a lot of it had to do with George Carl's decision to play Anthony Carter and have Anthony mm. Carter on that inbounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's certain things, and I love George Carl. There's not a better man, I don't think, who has coached on the NBA sideline. And when I say a man, I'm talking about just as a person. I always right. did question when you look at his play, his his postseason coaching record you know he was kind of a roll the balls out let the guys play basketball as a feel you know we used to sit we used to sit in the in the gangbangs and, and and i'd hear him talk about basketball and it was very ethereal and very spiritual and all real good until it's like yeah but can you draw it up when it matters most you see what i'm saying mm. and and that was a, a huge problem for me. And his trust of veteran guys. Too,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
1: the foxhole sort of mentality. And right. well, we can trust this guy. And I'm like, but he's not a better basketball player. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, that trust can only go so far with me as a fan. And so it's just interesting to hear that that perspective still stays with him. And it, it kind of. I looked at Mike Malone. That's when I started questioning, like, is Mike Malone a George Carl type of roll the basketballs out, basketball's a field type thing? You know, you, there, there's certain questions I had, definitely, and there's similarities that I could draw between the two teams. It's interesting.
0: I think November, December, January, February, those are the months for letting every – you know, playing your best guys. But I think yeah. once you get to the playoffs, that's when it's like, okay, we're no longer in bringing in new dudes. And so for right. me, I think Michael Malone's – like I don't know if it's fair to call it a failure. They made the Western Conference Finals. But his biggest right. sin this season was that he didn't – Michael Porter wasn't a foxhole guy by the time they needed him to be a, a foxhole guy. And, and so for me, that's where it is. But by the time they got there, it is what it is, and they just had to do what they had to do. But here you brought up something interesting, though, that I always think about because you said that you left the Nuggets in 2013. They lost to the Warriors, and you go over to this Warriors team. And the thing that's interesting for me is that – I think there's no such thing in my experience, and I shouldn't say no such thing. It's very uncommon for the be, there to be Nuggets fans that span eras of golden eras of Nuggets basketball. There have been, in my estimation, over the last 35 years, which is my lifetime, I guess we can just say 40 years, there have been four golden eras the 80s teams with Alex English and Doug Mullins, a golden era. That's the right. 2000s with Carmelo and George, it's a golden era. I think we're yep. currently in a golden era, and then we had the tiniest little golden era in 94, 95, where it was like we thought it was a golden era, but it was just so right. short, right? It just it, it came and left. And you almost hear from people that are fans of one of those eras, but not all of them. And I always right. find that interesting. I feel like that's a failure of the Nuggets that it is that you feel like you were a fan of Melo. maybe you knew a guy that was a fan of, of Alex English, but there's not a lot of crossover of what you guys like.
1: They had a chance, when you mentioned that 94 team, you're talking about when Jalen Rose was here for a short time, Antonio McDice, like that team. They, that was a so, little bit
0: after. This was actually Lafonso and Dikembe. Oh,
1: Lofonzo, Dikembe. Yeah. I, I'll tell you this. As a whole, I think that the Nuggets have never embraced you know, the, uh, you know, it's not an NBA city. It hadn't been an NBA city. Yeah. Even when Carmelo got drafted here, people were wondering, like, how do you hold a star as big as Carmelo in a town like Denver? Right. You know I mean? It's kind of a one-horse town. It's a Bronco town, which is, is another thing. Is You know, we, we kind of have this pecking order here that doesn't allow teams like the Nuggets, I'd say to a lesser extent, the, the Rockies. And then, you know, maybe you can get into the college sort of collegiate scene because, you know, for the most part, the Avs, they broke in on the scene. They did their thing. They won a championship. They grabbed the the the, the loyalty of the town off top. You know, what I mean, everybody mm-hmm. loves a winner type thing. The Broncos are the Broncos. With the Nuggets, it seems like the the franchise internally. You know, what I mean, you had that mess of a front office when they had a three headed monster of a front office. You know, what I mean, you had the Vandeway years. You had, you know, what I mean, they just weren't ever able to promote an air of competence internally. I think to the fan base. And so it's easy for the fan base to go, well, they're bad this year. I won't pay attention. I'm waiting for Broncos season. And then oh, the other good this year, I'll pay attention until they blow it in the right. you know the playoffs, like we're known right. to do. And we're never, you know, baseball, the Rockies, it's it's more of a culture of loving baseball. Colorado's always, right. been, Denver, especially, has always been a sort of baseball town. It's a great park. It's a great summer that we have. It's easy to go and just be a Rock fan because it's not really being a fan of the Rockies as much as it's being a fan of the culture of baseball. Totally. Basketball. Culturally, has always had a very hip hop feel. You remember when we had the okay case in point <laughs> when we had the All Star Game here, and the opening act for the All Star Game was Big and Rich. <laughs> it like, was meatloaf one year. One year it was meatloaf, and I like, think <laughs> it's like God damn it! You know what I mean? Because as an urban, I can not have an urban yeah, upbringing in Denver. You know, there's a, there there's a there's a basketball fear here. We know that basketball is basically a hip hop cultured yeah. urban sport. Yeah, and you know you're just never able to come. So you can't really convince the players that Denver's the type of town to be in, and then you didn't do what they've been able to do in San Antonio or Utah, right? Um, to, which is create a winning culture, which is right. it doesn't matter what kind of city you're in. Do you? Want they to might be doing that now, though.
0: They might be doing that. Now. I think you're right, but your I point think, remains. Your point remains.
1: I think Tim Conley. Um and and, and Masayu Ujiri before him were ba- are, are basketball guys that know about building basketball teams and yeah. winning organizations and that cures a lot of ills that guys like myself who you know who have suffered through the hard years and then decided like I just can't, you know, what I mean I can't yeah. support a team that just looks like it's all over the map. Um, I think that they've done a good job of setting this table with that. I love Tim Conley. I think that he should yeah. be here a lifetime. Huh?
0: He's a lifetime. He, I, here, let me, you brought up another thing that I think is so interesting. And that is we are in a decade of, I would call it like identitarianism. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is you just said that basketball is a hip hop sport. And I agree, largely it is. But I wonder how much, if I told you like, okay, I like hip hop and I like the city, you'd be like, oh, you're probably a basketball fan. If I said, I like <laughs> country music and my pickup truck, you might be like, okay, oh, you sound to me like you might be a football guy or something. You know what I mean? Like, I'll bet you, you know, it just seems like everybody, you can fit these into these categories. And the truth is, I, no, very few people actually do, but I think they enjoy identifying with things that, that put them in a club of this or that. And I wonder if that's actually, all the sports have kind of become silos. Where it's like you're either in or you're out, but there's no like extending beyond that silo. You either buy into the entirety of what basketball culture is, or you don't fit in, and I and I think that's harming sports. Like people are moving away because they have to fit into one silo.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And then now, when you know, when politics, you know, it hasn't been since uh, you know Muhammad Ali and you know <coughs> things that we watched in the Olympics in the in the fifties and the sixties that politics has been so prevalent i'm saying in, in, yeah in, in sports in terms of guys willing to talk about things you know what i mean um and i think you know basketball or football or respectively all the sports it is kind of a buy into the culture thing now except for the fantasy sports i think fantasy sports kind mm. of o- opened up a, a different realm in sports because allegiance to team um yeah. and then by extension to sport it's kind of been you know, dissipated a little bit uh, with the ability to win because I got this guy from this squad over here and this guy from this guy. And that's how you build a winning, you know, right. team as far as being a, a fantasy sports player. And so it, it takes the allegiance kind of out of sports. Um, And and I think as a league, the thing that's interesting, baseball, baseball and basketball, you know, the two sports where, you know, there's no helmet involved. You know, we won't count golf, obviously. There's just, I think, an inherent, uh want to identify with the guys because you see them you see the tats it's just a very more it's a yeah. more intimate watch and so and and so to people who are off put by a, a sort of hip-hop culture obviously basketball has taken right. on a whole different feel. after Allen yeah. iverson you know and, and and tats and the and the braids and the, it's very in your face and then the league embraces you know right. what its constituency is made up of so there's a lot of you know, you know, the ties have come off, you know, in the right. in the in, in the in the halftime and the postgame commentary and all of the music leading in and out. You know right. what I mean? It's unbeknownst to the viewer, you're being inundated yes. with with hip hop culture. Yeah, and, and it's something you have to sign up for. You know what I mean? And it is, it's that's you know, we live in America, you know what I mean? <laughs> and while hip hop culture has been accepted as a as a vehicle to sell and market, it's still not something that everybody wants to be right the face with constantly and so i think you're right i think the identity aspect of it is now intensified you know <laughs> what i mean be, right. because and and now you add guys like lebron and 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 well the nba Wild. Wow, i think after after the whole deal with the la clippers um and you know that that whole <laughs> i own the players thing Oof. um i think that that just really set the stage and it said basketball yeah. will no longer you know you could say Colin kaepernick did it in the nfl and still you would probably say the nfl has not been overtaken by the moment when it comes to cultural identity uh things that we're talking about politics basketball is full in it's you know right. this is the direction that it's going you know black lives matter being painting on all the courts and i think you're right i think that this i, I this identity sort of latent culture is now it's baking to the cake. I think you're absolutely right. Taking a break
0: here to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Support our partners supporting us during this crazy times. There's no easier and more enjoyable way to support our partners than by buying an Avalanche Amber, Colorado Core, Hot Peak IPA, Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter Junior, whatever it is that is your flavor. We also have the Palisade Peach, which is sweeping the DNVR office right now. That is our go-to beer of choice. We have like a whole fridge. We have the best job in the world because we get a whole beer, uh, a whole fridge worth of free beer from from Breckenridge Brewery it it is as fantastic as you can guess and right now it's the palisade peach which i probably had a dozen of in the last week delicious you can also go and check out um, the farmhouse over there the breck brewery farmhouse great they just like the dnvr bar they've taken all these precautions to make sure that you you can go there safely and, and eat some delicious food so you want to check them out and then if you want to call make a reservation whatever 303-803-1380 week four football's in the books and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week five there's nobody place to get in on all the action than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of Week 5, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store right now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings is giving away all new users a chance to receive a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. On top of that great sign-up offer, DraftKings offers great odds boost every single Sunday to help you make it rain. Don't worry, if football isn't your thing, DraftKings is giving you all basketball fans. If there's still basketball this weekend, kind of don't think there will be, but you can get that same um, 200% profit boost in any basketball market once you sign up. It's safe, reliable, secure, so download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code DNBR to take advantage of all these great offers. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. So, one thing I think about, have you seen this on Netflix? I highly recommend it. The documentary called The Social Dilemma. Have you seen this? I by have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Because I want to talk about it because one of the central, I, th- I thought it was very, I loved it. Um, but one of the things it talked about was all these apps we have Facebook, Twitter, and every other app on your phone. Is a machine mm-hmm. pointed at you to understand your behavior, but also to maybe funnel your behavior in a way that's favorable to them? And the most obvious way of this is, of course, keeping you on the platform. And right. so, like they're all designed for you to if you're on Facebook, Facebook is trying its hardest to keep you on Facebook for hours. Right. It, and sometimes the, the offshoot of that is some negative things. Right. Like the way to keep you on there is maybe to make you angry. So you stay because when you're angry, you're very engaged or what have you. For sure. <laughs> but I but I think what has happened here, I think the NBA, while it's not an app, it operates in much the same way and that it's constantly reading its audience and saying, what do they like? This thing. OK, well, let's flood them with that thing. And there is a breaking point where you think, OK, we've jumped the shark on funneling people into what we think is what they want. And I right. see a headline today that says Adam Silver. Let me read it here. It says, Adam Silver, according to sources, Commissioner Adam Silver still surprised at the low audience with LeBron chasing his fourth title. And I'm sitting here thinking, yes, because your market research for 15, 20 years has told you that the stars are all that matter. And whereas before, maybe that was true because you had all of the other parts of it. You've funneled it over time into this narrow to where it's the only thing that matters. Nothing else matters. And I I think over the last couple of years, some, there's other things happening, but I do think there's a bend and then break. And like this has been bending for a while, but I think people are finally like, I'm sick of the story you're telling me. I just want to watch sports. And you're telling me about this LeBron's heroic rise to the Lakers and
1: this or that. And I'm just not buying it anymore. I don't care. I'm telling you, Adam, I'm on the same train. And I'm serious. Like I've been watching the NBA Finals. I didn't watch game. I didn't watch game four. I, I started watching it. And then when mm. I, I've been watching, hoping that Miami would raise up and, you know, David would say Goliath, to be quite honest with you. Right, and it's because right. of, it's because of that narrative. I don't think that there is a bigger Sasquatch in sports than LeBron James being, now listen, let me, let me table this. Is he a great player? Of course. You can't take away from the numbers. You can't take away from the size, the dominance physically all those things. I don't think that there's ever been in sports a more manufactured right. Um, narrative right. than LeBron is is one of the greats chasing down greatness. They shove it and they've been shoving it down our throats and I think that David Silver Adam Silver excuse me thought he could <laughs> do with LeBron what was done with MJ.
0: Correct. There's a difference yes. though. Yes. And
1: the difference is, is that Michael Jordan was a phenomenon. By himself, it would have been that if he had turned all the cameras off, he would have been that dog chasing down greatness. I believe it. Not to mention the fact that the six, you know, championships and no losses in an NBA finals kind of solidified that, whether, it's manu- whether it was manufactured or not. right? It's, it it kind of is what it is, you know. And so to try and, you know, the NBA has been trying to do this since LeBron literally was a high schooler. They've been setting us up for, we got the next one. And I think that they felt like they needed that star power. And I'm loving where basketball is at right now because, you know, I watch a lot of high schoolers now on Instagram because that's where, you know, you know, that's where you can find out who the next wave and, and, mm. and what's coming next. And, you know, basketball has gotten back to even the league right now, has gotten back to more of a skills game. Whereas through, I felt, I felt like the early two thousands, through the mid 2000s it was you know it was kind of getting more athletic than it was skilled you know what i mean and yeah, and, yeah. and and i'd agree just to, to see skilled guys back in the sport and to see you know dribbling and passing
0: shooting shooting is like know, not uh, even comparable uh, to any other era the shooting is just so much better i mean there's come there's on. maybe 50 shooters in today's nba that would have been a top five shooter at almost
1: any other era without question and so to see that you know it, it now the game can be the game. It's a beautiful sport when it's played properly, which is five guys, you know, and that. And so it's kind of what I was alluding to earlier, like the Jordan rule with that that's taken over with LeBron, and and watching him duck his head, lower his shoulder, and bowl his way to the rim, and that defined as you know greatness. Mm-hmm. I just, I, it doesn't work for me. To me, So for me,
0: it has less to do with this because I think LeBron and Jordan, the 1A, 1B. I don't think there's – I think like after those – I do. I do. I really do. The game is way more complicated today than it was back in the day. Like defenses are more nuanced. Guys can shoot. You have to cover more ground. So I think there's a lot of – and also let's be honest. LeBron's great. Here's what I think is different. We just watched – And I'm sure you watched the Jordan documentary, the 10 part Jordan documentary that was produced by Jordan with Jordan's control. And we all loved it because we love Jordan's version of his own story. And it's a great story. (laughs) And also because I think it came apart. It came around at a time when we weren't quite as used to that level of propaganda. Now, again, I think Jordan's the best player ever. So this isn't like saying he's not. It's just that he got to tell us his story. And we all were like, I love this story. I think what happened was audiences got smarter and marketers got smarter and now everybody just sees how packaged everything is and with lebron it's they're trying to copy they're trying to replicate that how do we make the legend that's happening which is interesting more interesting and it right. works for so long before finally you start going i think this is some artificial sweetener we have in here and it's like i don't this doesn't something doesn't taste quite right about all of this and i think that's where we are and it's culminating now with what i find to be a disgusting story about kobe bryant Oh, the Lakers are going to do this for Kobe, as if like it's just it's one of those stories that like look, would it be nice for Lakers fans to have that in the, in the face of this awful tragedy with the player they love? Of course, but is it? We have to make every game like oh, well, Kobe came through for them spiritually and pulled them, out. and it's just like right. man, we're we're putting too much sweetener in the sauce now, and it's it's not tasting right.
1: I just i I think that my I've always looked at these things. I'm a super fan. Like the reason my. My attitude toward LeBron is the way that it is because of Carmelo and Anthony. Um, mm. when, the two were dra- when the two were drafted, I was full in the Nuggets boat still. Yeah. And uh, that was our guy. And then everybody kept telling me about this other guy who um, hadn't done anything on the pro level. And he was the greatest already. And I just took an immediate fan's hatred yeah. <laughs> for LeBron. And it right. took a lo- it's taken a long time for me to divorce myself of that and understand that what you are witnessing, Warren, is greatness. happening. Right. But at the same time, it couldn't be more manufactured. And I would disagree with you on this point. You know, Jordan came up through an era before all of social media and the shaping of narrative constantly 24 and 7. Now, I will agree with you here. It was far more political then. And there was just there was just more David Stern and them just had more control over the narrative. In, a, in, a thousand, Jordan could get you know, people
0: kicked out of the locker room if they just said sure. one bad line about for him is like sure. he's gone. He's no longer for covering sure. the Chicago Bulls. For sure.
1: But on the court, yeah, yeah. I don't think that there was any question that what he did was he took yeah. his mantle. He took it from the greats that came before him. And now I'm older than you, so maybe I do think that there was a you know there was something to when you looked at, you know, the, the NBA ladder that he climbed and the greats that he beat in order to get where uh, we all stick him, which is at the top of the top of the food chain. You know, those are some great Pacer teams that probably could have won our ring, you know, were it not for Michael Jordan. Um, you definitely would have to say Patrick Ewing would have won, you know, Charles Barkley would have won you know, you know, Clyde Drexler. And you, when you just go through the list and the squads that he beat now, that might be my remembrance nostalgically of the era. I do think that there's something to it, though. I think, you know, and and as the sport, you know, grew and went through a period where I just don't think it was nearly as skilled. And then you enter the LeBron era. And, you know, I just look at things like this, you know, LeBron, his trips to the finals as many times as he's been and all of it's great. What was the competition that he was beating to get there? I do look at that. Man, and I don't and know. <laughs> quite honestly, when you look at—I mean, I, if I went back and looked, and I think you know what was the what's the record? Eight years? How many years straight did he go to the finals? Eight, eight, I, I, eight or
0: nine? I think this is eight his, or yeah, nine. Eight, 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 eight. It was eight. It was eight because it says nine out straight. of ten and ten. This total. is nine out
1: of ten over the course at eight straight. He's always been in the Eastern Conference until these last two years with the Lakers. Over the course that eight straight, I did and I'm I'm fuzzy on it now, but I'm fairly sure that five, it was either four or five. Every one of those years, four or five of the teams in the East coming out were five hundred or less or below. Mm. Okay, now say that. Say what you will about that. I do think that it's indicative of, you know, what what greats was he denying? What what greats did he take rings from uh, over the course of his era? And I I think that those things can exist in the same space where I can say that and still acknowledge that he is a great basketball player and deserving of being in the conversation. Uh, to me, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm less interested in the aspect about what he was or what he, i just more interested in the narrative aspect, because I do think the nineties and to your point about the, the Patrick Ewing's of the world or this or that, I feel like the nineties was an era where the marketers were eager to tell us how great these guys were. And the audiences were eager to hear that. And I think Ooh. over the last 30 years, those guys have gotten even more eager to tell us how great everybody is, and audiences have gotten more eager to tell us how terrible they are. Like that's what they want to hear. I mean, look, this is the era of cynicism. Everybody just wants for to sure. put down everybody for everything, whether it's politics, whether it's uh, whatever it is. Everybody just wants to throw tomatoes at whoever loses at anything. And I, I that to me, that's a little bit where things just get a little bit different. But um, I do want to I, I do want to kind of talk about the way that athletes relate to their fan bases though, because this is another one that I think is interesting. DNVR. We create a community now around our sports. And I I was thinking about this the other day. Like we have now people come to D. like people have said, I enjoy DNVR as much as I enjoy the games our post game show, whatever it is, because it's like, that's everybody coming together digitally, virtually to like talk about it and hang out. And it, it feels like a fun place. And I wonder if this is, the success of this company obviously hinges on a lot of things, but one Mm -hmm. of the things I wonder is if the NBA has gotten so removed from the fans. And what I mean by that is they've created a vacuum because quite frankly, they can take the money, which is what they want, but the actual interaction and relationship to the fans maybe has gone a little bit away. Like they feel Hmm. athletes today, I feel like are less accessible. They should have more access, but they're almost less accessible because Hmm. they put up that wall because what are they trying to protect an image? It's not real. It's not authentic. It's, how can I package myself and I can't be down amongst the masses to do this? There's a lot to unpack there, but just what what do you think about that?
1: Well, I, I think it depends on what medium that you're looking at um, and what player you're talking about. And I'll say this, like Damian Lillard, I love, right? And oh, he's he, great. Uh, it, I, you know, his four-bar Friday. Um, I, I don't think he even started it as much as I think that he – involved himself in it. And then the people who started four bar Friday were smart and they were like, uh, you want to take this and run with it. (laughs) 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 And, and so in that, I see him and his interaction, and I know he's only one player, but you can, you can kind of gauge it from, you know, Steph's interactions and lesser. I think that these athletes are far one more interactive with their fan bases just because they're willing to control their own message. The athletic,
0: but see, that's um, diff- That's a little different, though, right? That they can control. That you're, you're saying it right there, because I think Damian Lillard's probably the most real of all of these dudes. So he's a perfect example. But so yeah. many of the athletes, when they are interacting with their fans, they're interacting with it in a very specific way—a way that sure they're trying to they're trying to sell a version of themselves.
1: Well, you don't want to get canceled either, because sometimes people <laughs> are a little too. Sometimes they're a little too. Uh, they're a little too forthcoming. And then you start to realize that that there there's that balance i think what we're talking about is is the in the i think it's a innate inaccessibility of celebrity Mm, i think because because most times you're not going to get that person who you would get if you're kicking it in the basement you know what i mean or at a bar or whatever because there is so much to lose but you want to play the game you want to play so so you have to you know as, as an athlete now i think that they have to and on an nba level you have to be accessible be real but don't 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 can I curse don't fuck the brand up go for no, it no. Don't fuck <laughs> them, you know don't 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 fuck up the brand so yeah, be accessible yeah. hell yeah be accessible oh no, yeah be real we want you to be real we want you to be authentic don't right. fuck up the brand though right, you know what right, I mean right. and that and that that constant you know tape playing over and over in your head um there's just no way getting around it every time i would imagine they pick up their phone to tweet or say something I want to say this because I feel like this. Now, I can do that, and it exists in a vacuum. Probably not for much longer because I'm fucking with y'all, and I think (laughs) the the star is going to rise, right? But, you know, Joe Schmo tweets off. Interesting. I had seen um, an offshoot, but the same thing. When we're talking about celebrity, Charlemagne the God is now, you know, there's this whole thing with cancel culture of excavating things that you said two years ago, three years ago, seven years ago, whatever, and bringing it back into the forefront now and going, and now we want to prosecute you for it. And, and, you know, and, and so you, I, I think that it's just set this unreal expectation of people and social media. Totally. You either want, you either want people on social media being their authentic selves or you Correct. probably should go back to the days when newspaper writers wrote all the stories and, you know, John away could be a law and no one ever felt, found out right. about it because right, right, right. it happened in the confines of Denver and no one's ever going to tell that story. You know what I mean? You, you can't have it both ways. And so... I do think that they're more accessible. I do think that they're, for the most part, more authentic. But I think when it gets to that that echelon of star, a Kevin Durant, when we found out that he had like burner accounts and stuff like that, you're just like, oh, what? Yeah. And if that's that's a cry for help, that's a want to. I want oh, to bang totally. on cats. I want to bang on cats. I want to totally, be my self. totally.
0: But
1: totally. I can't do that as Kevin Durant. Right. So let me do that on this. You know, what I mean, this fake, this there's this, a this, this I think an
0: Oscar Wilde quote. You're never your truest self than when you're behind a mask, because right. it's like when you can hide who you who you actually are, you get to be who you actually are. And that's that's right. That's Katie's burner in a, in a nutshell, man. That <laughs> is a cry sure. for help in terms of like, I hate being a celebrity. I can't be myself. <laughs> I can't be myself.
1: I want to cuss all y'all out. <laughs> that's a, That's Kevin Durant's sort of ethos. Is he You know, he comes across kind of certainly he's kind of a throwback player from that. that perspective and you know what here's the other side of it though is that with us as fans um and with us i think as people in general when we're talking about the social dilemma and i know they covered it in there but you know there is this lack of accountability with anonymity and anonymity you don't even have to be Mm. anonymous it's really proximity right you know what i mean like yelling something at your your nemesis basketball player, when he's walking off the court, if you're kind of courtside or you're in that place right near the tunnel where they can, they, he might be able to reach up there. He's six ten; he might be right, able to reach right, up right, there and right. get a hold of you. It takes on a different, you know, that's a different type of boldness to be able to like, you know, fuck you, Kevin Durant, or whatnot, whatever. Right. And but on Twitter, <laughs> on <laughs> you know, on Facebook, you know, on social yeah. media, on IG, you just fire off, and there's no because there's no proximity. The consequences yeah. are so far from you. And so, as much as I could say that there is an inauthenticity to athletes and their approach to accessibility with their fans. The same holds true on the other side of the spectrum to a far greater extent because there is nothing that I lose. If I fire off a tweet at, you know, Kenny Smith or Shaq or Charles because they said something during the halftime that I didn't like, one, are they going to see it? Two, even if they see it, what are they going to do about it? You know what I mean? And so I have all the power in that regard. And I think that that puts the athletes also at at a, at a certain social disadvantage. You know what I mean? So, what not about, to hold, yeah. I guess I'd say that to say we shouldn't hold them maybe to such a high standard because the bar is just infinitely higher for this and unachievable oh. in, in most. Or,
0: or, and I think about this so much though that, like, <laughs> this sounds almost incendiary and, and hot takey, but, like, in order to survive as a species, like, we have to learn <laughs> how to exist online because we don't know. It's like it's brought out all of our worst qualities to the point where, like, what you're saying there's no repercussions. So I can say the worst impulse I have in my brain, I can just throw that at people. And like, I know this from being, you know, not a famous person, but from being a person that like, if I say something on online, it it has a chance. Yeah. It has a chance for lots of people to see it. And I get the feedback, you know, kill yourself, you know, you're the whatever. It's just like, when you get that over and over again, you kind of like lose faith in humanity. But one of my, one of my goals, I think with DNVR, but with just like my presence in general is like I I want to like help teach people how to exist online like yo this stuff actually matters you might not think anybody's right. reading what you're saying but when you tell somebody online to kill themselves it makes them a little sadder and it makes the world a little sadder and if you just spend all day doing this like so I, th- I feel like we have to figure this out as as a, as a species we have to figure out how we are changed now from being online and adjust accordingly
1: I could agree with you. More. It's why it's why the ethos of the whole hard truth is to drill down to personal uh, exculpatory truth. Um, and people do it right. Like You, you know, I, I don't think I'm reinventing any wheel by tr- no. doing what I'm trying to do. I see I have you know, younger female cousins that have gotten into this culture um, of lighting each other up, <laughs> for lack of a better term. On Facebook, or you know, on social media, yeah. and, and sometimes there's a there's a there's a level of truth that's like eh, that's not for everybody. I guess it's the spirit in which you divulge it, right? Mm. But I think that I, I think that you're right. One, the internet's not going anywhere. Social media's not going. It's anywhere not unless yeah. the, unless the grid, you know, shuts down and we go <laughs> right, full right. land of the lost. We're here and we're here to stay. And so then it's like, okay, how do you make the world a better place? And I think. For the most part most people would be willing to look at what you say adam and tear you apart for it right but what are their true truths that are being unearthed online because you're giving yours right and you're just you're not just talking about sports but you're just giving your opinion on what it is that you're observing and doing a great job at it in terms of what you guys have built right people care about these franchises, they care about these sports, they care about these these players, um, and and you guys are now, an and we are, I should say, we are an outlet that covers those things. Mm. And so you're forthright with your opinions about that. And then some idiot is gonna disagree with it because he's having a bad day or not, whatever. And his response isn't a better argument, normally, <laughs> is what you find <laughs> in internet debating. First people go to you know uh, tearing at your character, next thing is name calling, And then we'll see where it goes from there, right? And I do think that there is a way of being vulnerable enough to show people like, listen, man, I'm going to give you my whole shit here. You know what I mean? And it doesn't have to be about sports. It doesn't have to be about politics. It can be about whatever. But I'm going to give you, truthfully speaking, my whole self right now. And with no expectation of acceptance, no expectation of agreement, just to do it as an exercise of uh, catharsis and I think people can drill down. I think they can notice it. I think they can feel mm. it. Not so much political correctness as it is real vulnerability.
0: Correct. And I, think when people I like can,
1: that. When, when they can, I think when they can attach themselves to that and when they can see it in you, it encourages them to do the same thing in the inside of themselves. And then now the internet becomes kind of like the block. You know what I mean? The only, I grew up on streets, you know what I mean? And the great equalizer to run in your mouth was <laughs> you could get socked in that moment. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so you learned, right or wrong, you know, people will say it's a dominance hierarchy thing, and it doesn't really. I think it is. The, I think the thinning of the herd or the, you know, dominance hierarchies are are important because boldness is rewarded, even in defeat. You know what I mean? If you were bold enough, I said what I said, I meant what I said, and I stuck by it, and you got your ass handed to you for it. You know, somebody probably came out on the other side like, I fuck with that dude. You know what I mean? Because he's about his, he's about his word. He's about what he means. And I think we can create that same kind of culture online where there, there's going to be no way to, because I don't believe in cancel culture. You know, I don't Mm. believe in, because you said something distasteful that the crowd doesn't agree with, that you should be, you know, excommunicated from the ability to, to, to speak with the rest of us. I do think that there should be some level of accountability, but I just don't think that is the one. but this is to me, or and this is like the central thesis of
0: the whole hard truth, as I understand it so far, is is exactly that because there is a balance I think with the way the internet works right now between you, you ever know we I, I talk about this with like Eric from time to time. But everybody, everything is now either dangerous or right. powerful, right? Like if somebody says something something that you really agree That's with, dangerous. people say. Oh man, that's so powerful, powerful. like that (laughs) because it has the ability to affect positive change. And if somebody says something that you disagree with, it's oh, that's really dangerous. And look, sometimes this stuff is dangerous, like sometimes there are ideas that can spread and really really cause danger, this or that. But what I think has happened with the internet is it is such a powerful tool that people having different opinions feels dangerous because we can't let these bad opinions go and Again, there is a line to this where it's like, no, that is a dangerous idea and ideas spread and they become movements and they, they affect the society. But I do think that to your point, it's okay for people to be wrong. And I don't think it is yes. okay. Like, I don't think it's okay anymore. Like I think because we think, oh, that's a dangerous idea and it can spread like waffle. Well, I don't know. Sometimes people are just wrong and we have to like be able to one, understand there might be some disagreements, but to understand that you've been wrong in the past about every we've all been wrong in the past about things. And it's like, that's part of human growth. And that's part of, I, I think people think we have to stomp out these bad ideas, but what you really end up doing is stomp out any sort of interaction. You just create a bunch of silos that everybody lives inside. That's and, right.
1: Yeah. And you drive people and you drive people further into that. Listen, I was wrong recently. I said nuggets and five over the lakers. So this, that. One. And I, was willing, I was willing to put that out there. And then I was like, <laughs> for a second i kicked myself i was like you shouldn't have, you should keep the prediction or just don't put it anywhere where people can pull it back up online right and then i come back i'm like no fuck that you were wrong and it's okay it's um, okay so it's okay to not have all the answers it's okay to not be in a place where we agree it's okay to be in a place where something distasteful like what's the equivalent of yelling fire in a theater online right. i really don't think that there's that you know i i I think uh, I can't remember who I uh, censorship was it during the social? I don't think it was during social dilemma that censorship really got to where it got online after the whole ISIS thing, right? And it's like, okay, I could see that's yeah, murder on murder online. Yep. Well, that's why that's why these things that's why I
0: don't want to lean too far into it because there are so many examples of entire groups of people becoming militarized based on what happened online. Like, there are dangerous ideas that can be pushed on a a population that that pushed them Agreed. to thinking, like, oh, we should oppress these people. I mean, it's like social media does become a great conduit for propaganda, but not everything is propaganda. Some things exactly. are just people talking and having exactly. bad
1: ideas. And having bad ideas. And the and the answer always to a bad idea to me is a better idea,
0: is a yeah, better no. argument.
1: And it's it's not silencing the idea because you don't actually silence
0: you don't the person, yep.
1: you drive them into a place where listen if I'm not mistaken, a group of militiamen just tried to <laughs> kidnap the governor of Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the, Now, while Correct. I'm quite sure they organized themselves online or they, they had some communication online, I would assume that most of those things were done in person amongst one another. And, you know, I, I just I think it's an immature listen, I think it's an immature overreactive response to what is known as the you know, the dominance hierarchies and the male patriarchy. And now the the pushback from the and, you know it's kind of a left-wing idea i i want to say it's a liberal idea that hate speech is not supposed to be. it's like eh, okay yeah but at the same time sticks and stones a, 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 a mature adult understands that what is for me is for me what is not especially in the marketplace of ideas because we're not yeah. talking about actions. we're not talking about organizing and i do agree <laughs> with you there are dangerous um themes that can live online and they can burgeon into, into physical actions. But no one, I I mean, I just, I'm cut from a different cloth, man. Nobody online will ever for the most part be able to make me feel other differently about myself more than I do around the people that I'm around. Right. And I do understand that our interactions online can shape our in-person interactions. I think it's really taking what we have online and putting it in proper perspective, which is, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, these are not real places. They are the marketplace of ideas. Real spaces are where you're sitting right now, where I'm sitting right now. And you're going to walk out of that and you're going to see your sons or you're going to see your wife, or you're going to walk out of your house and you're going to go places and you're still going to have a real life that is lived amongst real people. And can some, of, if not all of your actions, I guess, in that real life be informed by what's online? Yeah. Do I think that's the smartest thing? You know, because it's not a real place. It's a place where you, it's like going to the library and thinking you can come outside after reading, you know, a million books and thinking that's going to change where you fit into the structure of your life outside. I just, I, I feel like humanity, mm. I feel like humanity is still best served by understanding that being present in your life is the only thing that you really have. And so wherever you get your information from, you could be led astray by reading magazines still. You know, right. do they still print magazines in 2000? I think they do. <laughs> I think know? I saw okay. one at the grocery store online or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It doesn't, the, the influences are many. You yeah. still have personal responsibility. And the only place where that usually plays out is in your physical life. I, I, I genuinely mm. believe that. And so I think making more informed, vulnerable conversation more uh, prevalent online is is a way that we can actually jump the shark again. Yeah. Back to reality. Back, jump the shark back. I think mm-hmm. we can get back to sports here a little
0: bit because I, I wanted this show to be a little bit just kind of showing the type of conversations that you you like to have. And I think on your show, and I think people get a sense for this, it's the art of the conversation has been lost, Oren. I really believe this is. If, if people like to text now because you don't yeah. have to have a conversation, it's like the point, all right, the point, boom, we got out of it. But we're like, would you talk to somebody in person or online? you don't, I had no idea the conversation was going to go there. It's just like, it's a little evolving organism that you're like, oh, here we are talking about this thing. I didn't even have it on my docket, but um, it's important.
1: Meme culture and Twitter killed the art of the conversation. Killed the art, man. Make it Um, concise. I'm going
0: to tell you guys about WGT Golf. You guys know what to do. Sign up for WGT Golf. Enter into the DNVR3 group right on your phone, the app that lets you play golf, real live golf courses that you know about. Pebble Beach. I don't know if I can name another golf course, Wolf Creek, I know that one, what other ones, good? Pinehurst, I know that one. Yeah, you actually can name a couple of these. You can actually play those, simulate them, play against friends, play against other people in the DNVR universe, and just have a good time. And best of all, it's completely free to play. Just a fun game, it's part of our universe, probably becomes more part of our universe going forward. Hint, hint, wink, wink, you're going to uh, you're gonna want to sign up and get in on the ground for that. I also want to tell you about one of our oldest partners here, Strava Craft Coffee, Colorado's own Strava Craft, the coffee that has CBD infused right into it. It provides all kinds of extra benefits. I had two cups today. Coffee's great, all on its own, just with the caffeine. But then you add in the CBD, it gives you that extra little kick. Joints, uh, joint pain, back pain, migraines, headache, IBS, whatever it is, CBD is that miracle drug that allows you, uh, you know, that takes care of so many different things. I shouldn't even call it a drug, a suckle, a supplement, a miracle supplement. You're going to want to check them out. Right now, they have a cool thing going on. You like getting 20% off when you use promo code DNVR. Well, right now, 20% off of your coffee forever when you sign up for the uh, subscription, Strava Craft subscription. They deliver it right to you. Uh, However, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is, you do that, you sign up, you get 20% off, and they just deliver it right to your door. So check them out. Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-infused coffee made right here in Colorado. (laughs) to get to get out of this though this this episode i got some calibration questions for you that i think will hopefully get people to get to know you you know like i said oran the newest member of the dnvr family and he uh his show you guys are going to like and i hope and we've talked about this oran i hope that you you your role with the company continues to grow because i just think you're such a creative and interesting person i put this online the other day everything you've done has been so interesting. Like I appreciate you, re- that, man. you released you. the video of just announcing your show, and I was
1: like, "Oh hell, man, this is kind of <laughs> dope." <laughs> it's, it, part of it's crazy, part yeah. of it's creative, and part of it's crazy. Yeah, crazy is
0: good though, man. But all right, just so here we go. A little calibration. These are like standard get to know you questions. Favorite movie?
1: Oh, that's hard.
0: It did not always have to it, be like number one. It could be like okay. what's in the wheelhouse.
1: I could okay, I can put it on and always watch it. Um, True Grit.
0: The original or this latest one?
1: The, the co- latest bro- one. The
0: latest the one. Latest the one. Latest, okay, all right. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: Why? I just think that uh, Jeff Bridges care. I he's one yeah. of my favorite actors. First of all, and he played that part out. I was gonna say Snatch, but I've gotten past my Snatch phase. Um, okay it's just one it i'm a hip-hop i'm a movie hip-hop quotable guy so i like movies that uh you know what i mean that i can that i can quote and that one is just it's everything about it. it's so authentic i love that movie I love yeah, it.
0: yeah yeah I love, that is a good one i haven't seen it for for a little bit um, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> favorite yeah. food
1: right now poke
0: Oh really? Are you in like a phase? Is that what it is? A poke
1: phase? Or would you say this is sustainable? I just, you know what? It's, it's for me, like, it's so low maintenance. Eating has become a, eating has become a thing for me. That's like, sometimes I'm really into it and I want the whole meal. uh, uh, And other times I'm just like, give me protein, give me sustenance and let's keep it moving. And, um, as you're, you know, I'm older, so I think it's, it's probably best to eat responsibly and i don't mind sushi um but it's like poke is like sushi without all the pomp and circumstance <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's poor man's sushi yeah i'm on that. i'm i'm into it.
0: i have this is one of my worst personal traits but like eating is important to me in that okay. i got to i got to enjoy it cuz you just said yeah. like you sometimes you just want the protein and whatever and i'm like man i'm always it, you should be that way. Like most meals should just be about getting some more energy and then you're <laughs> off to it. But for me, I'm like, what can I have that is going to be an enjoyable 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know? It's utilitarian at this point in time.
0: Yeah. It should be, but uh all right. Uh Favorite place in, in either Denver or Colorado, you could pick whichever one favorite, favorite, favorite place favorite to
1: be place to be East side, Denver. Um, you know, I, I've grown appreciative of the outdoors more so now than ever in my life, and I'm a native um, forty six years. Um, but i there's just a the nostalgia and and it's it's kind of like mm. bittersweet now that you know gentrification and and all those things. But having said that, just you know i I'm a city guy, so being able to hop on my single um on my single speed and and um and just tool through a neighborhood that I cut my teeth in. Um mm. and see see how it's grown. Um, see, you know, just how many how it's stepped forward has just been it's been one of the greatest joys of my life, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I'd say That's East Side Never.
0: This is a favorite athlete. This could be all time or current.
1: All time oh I think I'm pretty good with this one. I feel good about it. Steph Curry. Oh wow. Yeah. I wasn't expecting you to go there. So that was Absolutely. real. That was real when you out. switched over. Oh yeah, no, it was. Uh, you know, from his days at Davidson and what they did in the tournament. Mm. You know, I just, I, I, you know, it's the same thing. I have the same kind of affinity for Kevin Durant because of what he did his freshman year at Texas. It was just phenomenal to watch. You know, a guy who you could just see like that's greatness, and see them crest and and still take it on and and be pretty a pretty good person in the, in in the in the in the, in the process. process.
0: Yeah. So this is the last one. And I think this one is like a psychology question here. Okay. Rank Rank these values in order of how valuable they are to you. Okay. Creativity, authenticity, discipline, and kindness.
1: Okay. Well, kindness, because I never like to be treated terribly. Often. Okay. Let me go again. Authenticity, kindness, creativity, and what was the one that I D- missed? Discipline. Disci- okay, let me stop. Authenticity, <laughs> discipline, kindness, creativity. Because I feel like if you're an authentic person, um, you're going to be disciplined in the in in the way that you carry yourself, and hopefully that's a treat people like you want to be treated type of way, which is mm. being kind. And then creativity is just you know it it's it's the it's kind of the cherry on top. If you're a creative mm. person, then it really it really, you know, it's entertaining to be around those type of persons, but I don't like to be around people that are inauthentic. I'm teaching myself daily how to be more disciplined. It helps me be a kinder person. And then, yeah, I'm creative. But I think that's probably the least of the qualities that I, I was kind of born with that. One. <laughs> so and and, and and my and my modesty. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See,
0: I think everybody you asked this, it's kind of like reveals a little bit about their thinking and their process here. For me, I would go with creative or with authenticity number one, because I just yeah. think, uh, I think every, all these other ones can be almost used like incorrectly if, yeah. if, if, if not completely authentic. Creativity is probably number two, just because I think that that's like, I, I don't know, like you just can, you, you, you get to the heart of everything when if you can think creatively about them. You can always for get sure. to the to the, like the abstract core of it. Then for me, it would be discipline, which I have like almost none of. I'm the most undisciplined person, but I've, I still value it. I just uh, thankfully my wife is very disciplined because she, she balances <laughs> me God out. Yeah, and then the last one is kindness because to me, kindness is like I, I don't know. I value it probably less than most people in a lot of ways really? because I think like it's a kindness. Can be like a, a deterrent, almost like in a way, like you were too kind to get to the heart of what was the issue here. You know or, what? Or the...
1: I, I fuck with that as a perspective. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being, I, I listen to a lot of, um, I listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson, and, and it's like, what are your motives behind being kind? If your motives yeah. are to just be liked, You know what I mean? I'd rather yeah. be, I'd rather be respected than liked. Um, but if right. your motives are genuinely to, you know, create and foster a yeah, better a world point. kindness is it, it, you, you know the, the, you got to be cruel to be kind i think it can take on different mm, kind of, yeah. i think it can take on different contexts too but that's interesting that i uh, i like i like where you where you put kindness because i think that that's very authentic cuz i think right. most people when they hear that list are inclined to take kindness and put it at the top so they you can make people believe that you're a kind person when right. you're really not <laughs>
0: Your <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, check out Oren's new show, The Whole Hard Truth. A brand new show for, sure. for us, talking about all kinds of things. You want to just kind of give the skinny on the first episode, or the I should say, the it's the first, it's a three part first episode, but just, yeah. just kind of break it down.
1: Um, I, I there's no real two two ways to say it. I I ruined my marriage and distanced myself from my children in the process. And um, mm. it's been one of the most enriching experiences of my life to sort of resurrect myself in that, in that capacity as being their dad. And mm. um, the way that I got there isn't excuse latent, but there are reasons. Um, mm. You know, I, I come from a broken home, and, and, and maybe not everybody's story of a broken home. I've been parentless uh, now completely for five years and before that, really uh, for the, you know, 30 some odd, you know what I mean? Mm. And so I never really dealt with the trauma, I think, of losing my mom as a young man. Um, And I bled that out on a on a litany of of people, including uh, women in my life. Um, And my ex-wife was one of them. And, you know, my my meteoric rise to local stardom, um, you know, got, you know, it got him in the way of, you know, I think who I am as a genuine person. Um and it gave me an excuse to do something horrific. Well, not horrific. It was it was bad. It was very selfish. And like I said, it it did something in it that I never thought would happen, which was drove a wedge between me and two people that I love very very dearly. So the first episode is kind of a walk through that, um, with two of my brothers that saw me kind of through that period of, of tumult and um and and have seen me on the other side. So um, and it's the type of the, the main goal is to, you know, be vulnerable and forthcoming enough for, to set a tone that yes. I, don't, I don't want people coming on my platform with that bullshit. You know what I mean? Right. And especially with the, you said something mean or something I don't like, and we don't want to hear from you anymore. It's like, nah, man, we can accept each other for our flaws. Right. We can see, we can see the benefit in, 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 in tragedy. And we can see the benefit in disagreements if we're all mature enough. So I'm going to, I'm gonna lay it down for the people and let people see like if I'm gonna be this open and honest, I expect nothing less of anybody who participates in the platform. And we'll have a lot of fun. You know what I mean? I don't want it to all just be, you know, real stuck heavier, in the mud, yeah. kinda of stodgy and heavy. It's just more so I want to be open. And so yeah. I didn't I couldn't think of a better way to set that tone than than doing that.
0: I think the setting the tone is exactly the way to put it. Cause that's what it feels like to me is your, your way of saying like, look, I could be defined as this and this and this things that have happened to me or that I have done in my past. But like, this is me saying, look, I'm a flawed person and that's what the show's about. Let's, let's come in here and talk about these different things and, and you know, how people are complex, but how we can, <laughs> that's an important aspect to sort of acknowledge and you pulling, pointing that light on yourself first, I do think really, really sets the tone for what you want that show to be, which is which is really cool. So
1: I appreciate that, man.
0: Everybody, check it out. The whole hard truth, and uh, look for him around. I think he's going to be around with some other stuff. We're going to be around. We're going to be around. around. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is a little different episode, but it was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you all tomorrow for the DMBA show. Makes a triumphant return at noon on Friday. You're going to want to tune in. Miroslav, the homie, our, our Serbian correspondent went deep into Sambor, Serbia, and got like a behind-the-scenes look at Nikola Jokic's hometown. He's going to share with us all those details of what he learned at Sambor. We're going to do that tomorrow. So we'll see everybody then.
1: All right, man.
0: One last time for Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD infused coffee that provides all kinds of auxiliary benefits, not just your caffeine. Made right here in Colorado, and right now you can subscribe and save 20% with the Strava Craft Coffee subscription. That's right, if you've never tried it, the rich CBD infused Strava Coffee, you can use promo code DNVR20 to save 20% or you can go ahead and, and create a subscription. They'll deliver it right to your doorstep. you always have your coffee. You won't have to. It's one less thing to worry about whether or not you're going to have your coffee. You can also check them out at Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market, Strava Craft Coffee, Colorado Zone.